Griffin. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Sean Tees and I talked about it last week. We keep bouncing back. We keep having these weeks going back and forth. Had a a bounce back in in a just aggressive fashion this week up against the Lions. And I, off the jump, I want to get y'all's first reactions. I know it's a few days removed from the game now. Of course, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. Late, belated Merry Christmas. We had to take our days off too. We didn't need to record just quite yet. So Wednesday now, a few days removed. But give me y'all's you know reactions coming off of it. You know, a few days after the game. I don't know what to make of this team still, but I appreciate them being able to be able to bounce back. Like I like I appreciate the effort still being there, even when you got decimated by that Steelers front and they ran the ball on you. They did whatever they wanted to you offensively. Your offensive line couldn't get any push. It was a great response, but um, I mean I'm proud to see these guys still battling this, this late in the season. I mean it's been plenty of times where this team could have packed it up and called it a day, but. They seem to always battle back, and Steve Wilson, that group, they seem to have gotten the most out of this roster that I think anybody could have gotten out of in the last 10 games going 5-5. Five and five. And I mean, I, I, get, I appreciate the group of guys for getting the job done. I mean, as far as what I expect moving forward, it's, you know, it's, it's like rolling dice, man. We'll, 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 you know, we'll take a chance and see. But other than that, I like what I saw out of that game, and hopefully we can see if we can put that together for, you know, a couple more games in a row. Every single week, I think about how Steve Wilkes is the guy. And Shanti said it a, a while ago, right when we got him as the interim. I definitely think that he is a legit contender for the head coaching job. He hasn't brought us to the playoffs yet. I think he still has a huge chance to bring us to the playoffs. Every week, I, I snap back into, oh, my God, we could be a playoff team. And it feels really good to be in that spot this week. And it might not be just because us. It is because our division is garbage. So, but we can run the table. And if we have a guy like Steve Wilkes that could um, that could figure it out and bring us together, like he, he obviously has done in the past, uh, the last half of the season, I don't know. I like the direction the team's going in. I'm, I'm very happy with the Panthers right now. I, I I absolutely agree with you. And look at I am not gonna be one to boast my ego, but I'm gonna get my flowers for this one because I've been on Steve since the beginning, saying, "Look at all he had to do was make it seem like we were a respectable organization of football again," and that is what he's done. If you look at it from Matt Rule's time taking over, the amount of times we'd had this big loss and just sit down the next few weeks, you get three, four game losing streaks. You have a whole month where you haven't won a game since he's taken over. You know, that three-game losing streak obviously got ruled out the door with the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Rams. But since Wilkes has taken over, only two games in a row has he lost, has this organization lost. That was the Falcons by a, what again, we all remember to be pretty much a controversial call that should have kept us from, that shouldn't have kept us from running that game. And then, of course, the Bengals game, obviously getting smacked in the mouth against Cincinnati. But every... Every single game since. You have the Falcons right after. The Ravens, you couldn't get it done. Broncos, you come out and make a statement game. And then against the Seahawks. Steelers, you get smacked in the mouth again. But then the Lions, you come out on top of it. So he's done that. He's kept us in these games. He's kept us as an exciting organization. Now, of course, we still have to keep the blinders on when it comes to the Lions. You know, the the I wouldn't expect it to have had one of the best rushing performances in franchise history, but we knew the Lions rushing defense was subpar. We 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 knew that something like this was gonna come up, but I'm really am impressed with how the the defense also held their own in this game as well. I, I'm honestly more impressed because we had 20 yards of uh, rushing offense in the previous game. In the in the Steelers game, we had about I, I'm I think it was 
Chuba had nine for ten, and uh, Don Foreman had twelve for nine. That was absolutely disgusting. And then we flip it around and have one of the best rushing performances in our franchise and, history. So I and don't know what and I were, that means, but I love it. Well, and Shanti and I were talking about that. We mentioned, you know, rule. Or, I mean, rule. Uh, uh, Wilkes, he got out coached in that game, you know, not necessarily in strategy, but the Steelers, the Steelers knew how to, to have our number and they even showed a graphic this week. We had, I think it was 12, like 12 rushing attempts that Steelers game. When we have less than 20 rushing attempts, we lose those games. 20 plus you win those games. The record was almost, I think, completely perfect in those two. I have to go back and look at the thing. And the problem that creates though is you get this kind of one-dimensional offense but with this Lions game it was one of the first times we had a very complete offense I now question what McAdoo's ever been thinking not running the ball more than 20 times I don't understand why he would ever not do that but when we play our brand of football and it allows us to throw the ball too because Sam Darnold say what you want about the man but he's we have been the second in the NFL in terms of efficiency per play since he has taken over and the, the the lions game the throws he was making some of the runs he was scrambles it it is it's like josh allen levels of redemption i mean i mean what he's what he's done well is that he's made it he's made you can tell he's made a concerted effort to not put the ball in harm's way and again, he's taking what the defense is giving him. The shots that they give him, that they give him a chance to take to uh, Terrace Marshall or DJ Moore. He's hit about fifty percent on some of these D balls to Terrace Marshall and Moore when he gets the opportunity. So I mean, and with this offense leaning so heavily on the ground game, and when the ground game is able to be effective, take so much pressure off, you get the one on one matchups. And again, that's all we wanted him to do. We we knew that this isn't a guy that you want to have throw you back into a game in a in a in a in a shootout type of style game. You don't want to have to do that. You want to keep him in these in these com, you know these control scenarios and he's and he's made the most of, most out of them. I mean, against that and against the Lions, you think you think about the bit pass through the Terrace Marshall one thing it may, the score may have been 14 to 7 or maybe 21 to 7 at, at that point where he hits him left sideline big time throw great catch by Terrace Marshall. But that, like those are the throws you have to make. In, in order to put games away when you when you need a spark on offense and you can't just hand the ball off three to four times and try and try to pick up that yardage. So I mean for him, kudos to him, man, for just understanding the situation, understanding what this team is gonna be, what this team has to be in order for it to be successful, and not deviating away from that in any sort of fashion in these last four games. Last four games. No, he cannot stray too far from the playbook. He has since he's gotten in the league, he's never been an improvising kind of guy. But he, these past couple of years, he's looked really bad. I am not a Sam Donald guy. I never will be. I've I've seen him play since he was in San Clemente, like ten minutes away from my house. I, uh, I no, I have not been a Sam Donald guy. I I don't know. I thought he would be okay. He'd be a game manager like he's doing right now. But we don't know if this is gonna last. We saw him do it. And that uh, when we went 3-0 and last season, and we were like, oh, maybe Sam Darnold can handle it, make it happen. But we know when we give Sam the keys, things do not go well. And I I, I don't trust him. And, and now especially look what Baker's doing on the Rams. It, it's us. It's definitely us. But do not let a quarterback run anything on this offense. We kind of have to get those 
crazy rushing yard games to to dominate. Look, don't mistake my you know appreciation for his you know rounding out as as flowers to the fact that we should keep him around. I don't think that in the slightest. But to I mean, these aren't necessarily ball hawking defenses. But to go this many games, zero picks, knock on wood. Like that in and of itself is an achievement for the man when he was one of the worst when we first had him. No, and it's clearly just he's the one that is able to operate McAdoo's offense the best. I mean, you've seen three different guys in this offense now, and two of them, you know, PJ. Uh, PJ is just is just PJ. It doesn't matter who's the offensive coordinator. It doesn't really matter who he has around him. He's gonna just go middle of the road no matter what he's got in front of him. It. He's just himself. The, you're right. The biggest biggest contrast is is Baker and seeing how he's done. And that kind of offense out there in LA is built for him. It is it is put him in a situation where he can do the best of his abilities. I think here he just, I, I really don't know. I, I don't want to waste really any more time trying to dissect his, his time here. We would spend more time trying to dissect it than he even was here in Carolina, actually making an impact at that point in time. Um, you know, I, like I said, I just think that, some of those, like you said, Shantice, I mean, also just the getting everyone involved, that was one of the bigger things that I was impressed about, at least on the offensive side of the ball. You know, uh, even outside of had Ian caught that one pass, I think almost every pl- every player that has some sort of impact on our offense would have had a reception that week or, you know, touched the ball that week. Ian had that one drop, but you had Tommy Tremble get a pass. You had LaVisca Chenault somehow get a giant play there at the end of the game. And then, of course, we saw a shy He's always good for that one incredible catch. He hasn't doesn't do anything else the rest of the game. He's going to make our hearts skip a beat every time he goes back there. For yeah, time. yeah. We need, I hey, I'm, look, shout out Andre Roberts getting off of IR. You know, we need we need that guy back immediately. You know, it's just please. Yeah, hurry it's, up. it's by that time. I, I it, going into a playoff. If if we have a playoff run. I need Andre Roberts back returning punts. Let's not make the same mistake. Remember, that, remember the time we had Britton Burson returning punts against the Cardinals in 2014? <laughs> it was beautiful, man. I, I, can't, I or or Ray Ray McLeod the third. Ray 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 had a 71 yard touchdown this this week. You know what? Though, it may just be us because I know Ray Ray's a good returner. Like I, I like like he that's that's his bit. He was good on the Steelers. I thought he was all he, he all he was great in college with doing his. Uh, I think it was just a us thing. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> our special teams, our special teams, especially kick return and punt return, have never been good. I can't even remember. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head the last time we had a kick return touchdown. The one that comes to mind was against the Jets, but that was called back for a block you in know, the back. That's if, uh, you want to know who the best returner may have been in Panthers. Like since I've been a fan, the best returner I've seen probably has been Mark Jones, two thousand eight. <laughs> like you got to throw it back. You couldn't find him in a, you couldn't find him in a phone book if you nah. tried. That's how obscure that is. Was he He was Was it did we have He was No, nah, I'm tripping. Yeah, we I mean as a, as a punt returner, yeah, Ted Ginn was fire, yeah. Tripping. He was, but then we also had that same the same time frame. We are very quick to forget that our kick returners, especially in the Super Bowl run year, were Joe Webb and Mike Tolbert. That's the two people we had back there. We had jo- our our third string quarterback was fielding our kick returns, and Mike Tolbert was not not in front of him in a wedge, next to him in the end zone. That was the two we had back there. When we had Ted Ginn and Philly Brown on the roster as well. So be that as it may, going forward though, talking about you know the performance of the Lions game, I think that you know like I said, we have to take it with a grain of salt with how bad that their rush defense was, and we were able to make our offense work and keep them bottled up 
on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I think the one fumble was definitely the kind of tide turn. And of course, Yatur does nothing all season, sits there for one of the first fumble recoveries we've had in a month and a half, just falls on it. Look, shout out Yatur. I mean, shout out Yatur, man. It's been it's been it's been rough for him, bro. But you know, I'm just hoping that we keep getting these unsung heroes. Like we're gonna need a lot of these guys to make plays. Like, unfortunately, these are the guys we have to rely on, like, down the stretch of his, down the stretch of the season. Maybe, you know, maybe, just maybe, he has one of these crazy games, like, preferably this week coming up. Give me about two sacks like that, like that, that we can't really explain. You know, make a play or two. Let's, uh, let's you know, I, I don't really, I don't really have much, I don't really have much positive to say about your tour, man, but I'm glad he's, you know. Oh. <laughs> no, the focus is not on your chair. The focus is more so the this win came at a great cost with the fact that J.C. Horn will more than likely, unless he gets some sort of Thomas Davis surgery and his arm and his wrist is wrapped up like a football, he's more than likely done for the year. And that in and of itself has, <laughs> I've been like the last few days, any kind of like high hopes that I had were really, really kind of crushed by that knowledge. Because like you said, Shanti's just talking about, you know, needing things from just fringe players. It's going to be more prevalent than ever. And we'll talk about obviously the news from yesterday here in a bit, but just the outlook now of having horn down with the prospect of not having Dante coming back either. It's going to be rough going forward these next two weeks. And if we make a run to the playoffs. The thought of watching C.J. Henderson and Keith Taylor as our one and two makes my heart hurt. I do not. I'm going to be watching these next two games like this through my hands. I cannot watch those two play coverage, uh, playing coverage. I I can't believe we're going to have to watch it against number one and number two. Yeah, no, it's. That's not, and and, uh, and up until we made the signing that we made, you're talking about a group that would have to go up against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones. And while that group hasn't been great, it's good enough for one game. It's good enough for one game to beat you. And I, I don't know, man. I, I and with JC, I will say this: if we can find a way to win, right? It is only it is only a broken wrist. He can come back. You can play with the cat. You can play. Uh, yeah. He, Give him the JPP treatment, and and you can you just don't see that many cornerbacks with casts on playing in, in coverage in a tight window where you're gonna need, especially your 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 cornerback number one. Yeah, that's my bigger concern is that even if he comes back, how effective can he be in those close yardage situations when he's running, you know, running step for step with some guys? Where honestly, you don't. It's obviously not a big weight on him, but that cast on his arm could. If it comes down to a split microsecond, could keep him back just a little bit, trying to make something happen with his. I would have JC Horn in a wheelchair. Than I, 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 I on his own two legs. Which I agree. Here's the thing: don't I only worry about it in the run game as far as taking on, engaging in blocks, and getting off of blocks. That's like the uh, as far as coverage. I mean, bro, I, I think he can manage. I think he can still manage the coverage. It wouldn't be ideal, especially in man to man. But I think if you, I mean, we don't really. I mean, we don't. How, how much press man do we really play as a team? Not a ton, because I mean, the only, when we had Dante and JC, we ran a little bit more. But now we've been we've been running zone mainly the entire game. Yeah, so if you- which makes me less. Well, I, it makes me less concerned because we are. It's just you know going forward, especially when you go into the playoffs. If you th- and this is thinking ahead, of course, but we're going to be need to be we still were not as aggressive as we should have been against Jared Goff. You had your two sacks, you weren't you know, we rushed our four guys, maybe a fifth guy coming in. 
I, I keep wanting to see us be more aggressive with the blitz, and this is definitely not going to help that in any sense uh, or any any fashion. And, and and so we talk about the signing. So this was something that I never thought that I would see. I, we said it about Cam. This is one I definitely didn't think we would see. And if Steve Wilkes wasn't in the position he was, it would never happen in a million years. But, of course, the Dark Knight returns, and Josh Norman will be taking on his second tenure with the Carolina Panthers. And I really just – do not know what to think about it. Uh, I would just tell everybody, don't expect 2015, Josh, of course. like I, I think that should be the obvious here. Expect the guy that's, that has worked in this Wilk system before, has familiarity with, with, with both of the coaches, and is going to be able to help put the young guys in position and help bring those guys along. I think that's what he's here for. I'm not... It's situational football. I'm going to love to have Josh Norman out there because this is a guy that does understand how to get the ball out of there. He's one of the best at forcing fumbles in the league as far as at the cornerback position. So I think he'll give he'll give us he'll give us chances there in certain opportunities, and and we'll have to use him in certain aspects of the game. But I don't expect his snap count to be too crazy high. But I do expect him to have a sense of. I mean, he's played against you know he's played against these guys a, a lot. He's played against Evans a lot and Julio a lot. So he has a good understanding of how you play those guys. So I guess the biggest thing is going to be him lending tips to the young guys and say, look, this is what you're going to have to do if you want to have success against these two guys with that quarterback on the other side of the ball. So I, I expect him to just kind of have a mentorship role, you know, all, all in all. Yeah, when we first signed him, I, I immediately thought, oh, we just basically signed a, a secondary coach. A cornerback coach. We it's going to be a guy that can relay the information to to Keith Taylor and C.J. Henderson and even J.C. Horn. Like it, I think that's huge for J.C. Horn. He's going to be able to sit down with a corner like Josh Norman, who's gone through all this stuff and been a great corner in this league, even if it was for a short period of time. He's been great in this league, and to hear some someone like that talking and giving you advice really helps. So I I love this signing. I think it's what good teams do is they bring back their players that, that did a lot for them and that have a say in this league. So if we're going to get the coaching staff and the uh, team to be on the same page, we need these veterans. So I love it. I completely agree. And I'll even take it a step further because we all saw what, uh, you know, what, what ensued on Twitter following it. And I'm, trying to keep my wits about me to know that none of it will ever happen, but I would just, I would lose my mind if any of it occurred. Cause you saw, of course, Trey Boston, who's always been very vocal and very supportive of the Panthers. And it is a just absolute mind boggling mistake to be that he is not have some sort of role on this team, whether as a player or in terms of any sort of consulting, like, you know, Pep did or Keekly did because he still cares about the organization when he spent, no, you know, not an insane amount of time here. In different stints, of course, it added up, but I think he still has some playing ability. He talked about, you know, lacing back up. Smitty, we know it was completely just absolute parody. There's no way he was being serious about it. He mentioned it, and then even Kelly Davis, Thomas Davis's wife, was like, hey, TD, are you good enough to go? And look, at, I would take any one of those three. If, if any one of those three came back, I would take TD in a heartbeat. I would take all three of them in a heartbeat. I would take Steve Smith right now. Are you kidding me? I would take him in two seconds. Because the thing about it is, <clears throat> if we think about it, look back to 2015, because this is what I'm going to say about Josh Norman, because I agree with the both of you, but I'll take it a step further and say Norman will be playing in these games. I, I think not, maybe not this week, because even Wilkes was questionable about whether or not he would be in shape enough to play this coming right. week. But if a Saints game, or even if it comes down to the playoffs, and Jace, even if JC's healthy, oh, think about it, Brock. Hold on. 
Who think about the 2015 season? Think about the defense we touted in the Super Bowl and the age of the guys that were playing in the secondary specifically. We had Captain Munderland and Roman Harper and Charles Tillman all playing as starters on our defense. Now, granted, of course, those guys are at a whole different echelon than Josh Norman is then and now, but we were playing those three, and not even that. Keep going. We had Jared Allen on the defensive line yeah. going up against. Seriously, so think about the fact that we had some of the oldest guys on our team in 2015 when Wilkes was at the helm. Who better to know how to draw up a defense that allows you quote-unquote old heads to go up there and, and actually still perform? Because it's not like they were just running around. Harper and Munnerlin and, and Charles Tillman were making impactful plays everywhere on the field that playoff run. So to me, I could see Norman playing and not necessarily, of course, having an impact, a huge one, but at least covering ground. I just don't see how, like, cause I, I remember watching him on, um, what was it? Was he on the Bills? Yeah. He was on the Bills and the and the Commanders in the last few bouts, if I remember. He got embarrassed on live TV. <laughs> by Derek Henry. By Derek Henry, yeah. I remember that as the last I've seen from Josh Norman, and he looked just like he didn't have his legs under him. I mean, if that's what, if that's the Josh Norman we're gonna get, if he doesn't have his legs under him, I don't see him playing. But if he, if he could move around, yeah, I could definitely see Steve Wilkes plugging him into a spot that could work really well in zone coverage for this really hurt secondary that we have right now. And Jeremy Chin's gonna need to step up as well. So I like that that Josh Norman that can he can help Jeremy Chin out with a little bit of his coverage skills because. He's really, really lacking. In yeah. I, I look, the, the last I saw Josh Norman play was actually last year's game against Green Bay. So oh, that's he, right. He was in San so, Francisco. So he still got, I, like I said, he put, we would have to leave him in his own coverage. I wouldn't try to put him in any type of man schemes. Like I said, like, like I'm, I'm with Wilkes. I don't know how much you're going to see of him this week. It's just hard to ask a guy to come in on Monday and be ready to play Sunday when you haven't played all year. That's, that's asking a that's asking a bit much, but I get. I think he's gonna provide some type of help, and I mean, Keith Taylor. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. This is a it's a great opportunity for Keith Taylor to you know to redeem himself. I mean, this would be. I'm look. It, what uh, what better way could you redeem yourself, your Keith Taylor, than to go up against the goat in a division, in pretty much a division title game or something close to that, and perform well? I mean, that is a that is a that is a Buccaneers offense that struggled against Arizona. That up until the, what the fourth quarter, they only had what six points. Yeah, the, the Cardinals were missing a good chunk of their secondary by the end of that game. I know Antonio Hamilton got hurt. I think, like I said, they, they were missing. They were missing some guys by that by the by the end of that game. So I mean that that offense still struggled against that group. Now that's not to say this group is any better. It's not to say that, but no. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, there's a chance. But I will say, I don't. I'm yeah. They they not they're not tricking me again, bro. I'm not. I'm still not picking Carolina in no games that down the stretch here. I'm gonna go lie to you. No, no, <laughs> I mean, no. I I I get to do it not as a, not as a betting man. I mean, it going. To... Or, I mean, as a betting man, yeah. No, I, I I. But it's so much fun. Think about this. We are two games away. If we win two games, we make it into the playoffs. Yes, I agree with you on that point. But how many times have we done this? Not only in the Matt Rule era, because we did it towards the end there. Not about getting playoff games, but we, we're talking about you're talking. You can the ridiculousness of, of making it to the playoffs, winning the division is one thing, but we have to sweep two divisional rivals on the road to finish out, and that in and of itself for the Panthers as an organization is not something that we are experienced in. 
in a while. So that in and of itself to me is like, all right, we're really going to sweep two divisional rivals on the road back-to-back weeks, 16 and 17. Because if we win, if we beat the Bucks, that still doesn't clinch. We have to have the same record as the Bucks in 17 to get to the playoffs. If we lose and they win, they go up. But if we win and they win, we still go in. And if we lose and they lose, we still go in. So all I'm th- all I'm saying is these past couple of years, I haven't gotten to be a football fan. And the fact that I get to be an actual football fan and care about my team <laughs> is great. And I'm going to take every single opportunity to dive into, like, even if we had to have four teams lose, all that. Like, I have a friend who's a Steelers fan. They have to have all these teams lose. He is locked into every single game. And that's what being a football fan's all about. If, you're, if you have a chance to get in the playoffs, Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I'm rooting for this team, no doubt. It's just, if I if I had to bet on the likelihood of you sweeping two division rivals, oh, God, that's just not, it's not, it's not what you'd like to see. It's just, you know. Because keep, well, keep in mind, of course, you know, we don't necessarily have to sweep the Saints, but that means the Bucks have to lose to the Falcons, and that I don't see happening very mm-hmm. likely. So uh, that is something, again. I mean, the, the Cardinals or the Falcons are better than the Cardinals. Yeah, the fact that they played that close against the Cardinals gives me so much hope. Oh, I have a lot of hope. I definitely have a lot of hope. It's just missing JC really does tamper how much I, I how much I want to believe in this group. I will say, even without JC, we're still better than the Cardinals. We are. We have a we have a more salt. <laughs> As a team, as a, as a well-rounded team, yes, but in the in the matchups for defensive backs going up against that offense, like, and especially if we're not going to be blitzing to throw Brady off, because you have to get Brady, even at this age, still all out of his comfort zone in order to alleviate having a bad front, a bad back four. The Cardinals, if anything, could still provide some sort of pressure. And, I mean, they got one of the best defensive linemen, you know, who's finished, played his last home game. Uh, well, we don't have that if we're not blitzing five I'm guys. I if we had JC, this would be if we could just take Mike Evans out of this game and say he gets one or two catches for 17 yards and that's that. I'd say this game is in our favor completely. But absolutely, yeah. I'll give you that one. You guys on Mike Evans and have to worry about Godwin and whoever tight end, whoever six foot eight white tight end they would have want to put. In. You know what? You know what though? You know who's really going to be up to to decide whether we win this game? Derrick Brown and Brian Burns. Because I because definitely Derrick Brown because we know if, if there's an interior rush for Tom Brady, he can't step up in the pocket. He's not going east and west. That's that he he'll he'll he'll, he'll chuck it in the ground or just take the sack. So honestly, that interior line, Matt Ioannidis, Derrick Brown, those guys actually have to have their best performance of the season. Maybe, maybe. They're really I, I, hurt up front. Too. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the other positive in our favor too. I think it'll come down to the. I think it'll come back to the line, the linebackers, and to Jeremy Chin. One of the worst performances this last week against the Lions was the line was our linebackers and Jeremy Chin. The middle of the field was just ridiculous. And Brandon's no, not I'm sorry, not Brandon Zilstra, his brother, I imagine, or cousin, or this someone. Is his brother Shane Zilstra. 
put up a hat trick on you. And Jeremy Chin was in bad spots every single time. He in coverage, like you said, Brock, you alluded to it. It's it needs a full overhaul. It's gotten to the point where I'm I'm more ex- I would be more willing to put him as a as a coverage linebacker and can blitz in the, as a linebacker too. With how bad our linebackers are at this point, I'm honestly considering it for this week. Put Burris and Woods back there at safeties. And 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 put and move Chin up as a linebacker because having him back there as your last line of defense is not helping anything right now. And Brady can pick apart the middle of the field better than anyone who's ever played this game. It's why I want to maybe bring in Trey Boston too because we're going to need some help at safety. And if Trey's ready to go, he ain't going to be able to ready to go by Sunday. But but at this point, like it just Chin, he needs to earn his captain patch because he hasn't been doing it this season. And I and 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 that's where I, I and it's got to be this week. I, I don't understand. How, there must be a problem with putting him in the box because when we had him in the box, he, he had like 120 tackles that year. He played out of his mind. It seemed to fit. And and we seem to have more uh, depth in the secondary than at linebacker. I mean, Corey Littleton is a big part of our linebacker core, which is really not a good thing. So I don't know why we don't have him as sort of an outside linebacker, not an edge rusher because we have Brian Burns. But put him as an outside linebacker. It, it, do we do we see any problem with that? I mean, he's six three. He's two twenty. He's solid size. And considering how bad our run defense is at times, especially with and with our speed, teams are still able to get out to the edge. I would I would think having Jeremy Chin there would help alleviate some of that. So I, I mean, like his strength is clearly not coverage. We knew that coming out. Coming out of college, that wasn't his. That wasn't his strength. They tried to sell us on him being an actual safety. I mean, they tried selling us. They tried selling us that he was a freak to play free safety. They, I mean, I knew that wasn't true. I'm pretty sure everybody that scouted him knew that wasn't true. But only Phil Snow probably believed that for like those for like those handful of weeks. But I mean, something's got something's got to give though. He's got to be better if we want to have a legitimate shot. Well, and, and that's my and that's always been my confusion from the get go. Like, whose idea was it to have him rush that much his rookie season? Because Phil was the DC. It, Phil, like, I, we were always heard the you know position list, the the Swiss Army knife. You know, it was the whole reason you took him. We were okay with not getting Isaiah Simmons at the time because we had gotten this guy who said he could play just like Isaiah Simmons. And in his rookie year, he was playing better than Isaiah Simmons. So that's where we were. But then come second year. Phil Snow's whole ideology changed and said, no, you know what? We need to not do this, and he needs to jump back into coverage because we have to have him play this way. So I don't know whose idea it was to have him do so in the first place, but it's gotten to the point now where I'd rather have Shaq. We know he played safety in college. I'd rather have Shaq back there in coverage and move Jeremy Chin to linebacker because you'd get about the exact same results, except Jeremy can at least rush. uh, Jeremy can rush a little bit more. It is a bit quicker on the jump because now I will say for all the qualms, I was scared about the line going up against the Lions and how we would do against DeAndre Swift and, J- and Jamal Williams because that has been a dynamic duo that has created problems week in and week out where you don't know who it's going to come from, kind of like our Foreman and Hubbard combination. So if anything, I will say they handled the running attack pretty well this past week. Won't be the biggest point of contention the next two weeks per se. You know, the Saints, I, I have just I don't even know what to think about the Saints anymore. But I will say that they, the defense did fairly well against stopping the run to give them some sort of some sort of you know yeah i think we could take it home is because we're not playing the biggest rushing defenses possible or rushing offenses possible that's the teams that we get embarrassed by so i i'm i i that makes me feel a little bit better at least 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, shout out to the defense for, you know, stepping up in that one. But I guess it's the thing. The Lions team, what they were what they were great at was going to be their passing attack and how they could attack the edges with their passing attack and what they did with their rock combinations and how they attack defenses. If that wasn't working, I'm not, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not truly worried about Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift all too much. And that shouldn't be a combination of running backs that should give you that much trouble. If you're, if you're a good defense, right. Um, like a lot, like Brock said, we're not facing any running backs that I'm that, well, I mean, Kamara's a good running back, but, I will, I'll say against Carolina in his career, he has not put up big numbers, so I'm not truly worried about him or what the Buccaneers are going to try to do with Leonard Fournette. It's going to be about the passing attack and whether our front line can create a pass rush. And, and if you can create it with four, that would be what you that's what you would prefer. If Haynes and Burns can win on the edges, that's what you would love to see. If, if Brian, Bur- if not Brian Burns, but if, if Derrick Brown can create chaos in the, in the, in the middle of the field, that's what you're gonna want, but that back end is that's you're not gonna be able to win if you have to keep trying to hide your your secondary against Tom Brady. It's a, that's that's where the, that's where the issue comes into play, and that's why I don't know how much you can afford even not to play Josh if it comes down to it, because there's gonna be a point in time where you're gonna need him out there at some point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking for Luvu to do some damage too on the edge, and <clears throat> honestly, just cause some pressure for Brady. To, to take one more look at, at his protection before he goes to his reads. Yep. That's yep. that's our only hope, really. We just need to take up as much time in that secondary as possible. Hell, I'll play devil's advocate. It will be – there's no way, feasible way that it would work, but it would make me a little bit excited if there's one guy out there who's still a free agent and still can play a little ball, but no Tom Brady's offense almost better than Tom Brady would. It'd be a free agent sitting there. He does more analyzing. He probably wouldn't want to get on the field, but Richard Sherman still has some eligibility and would know that the, the Bucks' offense like the back of his hand. So if we could get him ready in three days, I would do that tomorrow. But uh, but um, to, to, to go back to reality um, – I think one person that also needs to be commended for their play, not necessarily as a as a route runner or a pass catcher, but if you look at a lot of those runs that we had, obviously front line did ridiculous, played out of their minds. But another guy who was a big key factor in a lot of those downfield runs, a lot of Sam scrambles, was Ian Thomas. You know, we were trying to figure out what his his value is and Blocking on the outside is something that he did incredibly well last week. I think that's something that should be should be recognized. Yeah, I mean, look, I always give credit to a guy that contributes. I mean, in whatever way, I, we wish we had better pass catching tight ends, but that's just not what we have. But I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, if you're going to contribute in any sort of fashion, the one thing we've we've gotten out of our tight end group and our and our receiver group has been good downfield blocking. So kudos to him. Yeah, any way you can fit in, any way you can make something happen I'm, I'm all for it so now let's touch on those comments you know it was a big media day for the panthers especially today you had two different players going on the quick one we can touch on is Derek brown going on good morning football and i think he went on a couple of local stations as well pretty much cementing saying you know everyone here in this locker room wants it wants wilkes to take the you know wants the tag off of wilkes wants wilkes to be the full guy which wasn't something we were necessarily shocked about but one of the bigger things that I wanted to talk about was Shaq's comments. Cause if you watched him, he went on the crew podcast, you know, Terrell Owens, um, just Anderson. And I, is, I think it's Boris Chestnut. Is, he, is the other one on, on the podcast? Yeah. I don't know if he's actually a host or that, or, or what that was. If that was just a weird, I, 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 I don't know either. It was just, I saw that. And I was like, okay, that's, that's odd. But anywho, Shaq was talking about how, you know, 
how just self-destructive the dynamic was in the locker room under rules tenure, how you had the, 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 the locker room almost split guys who knew that, you know, you had to just kind of buy in with what we were going, make the best of what the situation was and try to do the best under that umbrella. And then you had some other veteran guys, some guys with not as much time left saying, why are we just, you know, going about what this is like we can do this better. And then some younger guys who kind of were just going through the motions and, he talked about how, you know, it's been much different having having Wilkes, an alpha male guy who's been in this position, knows what to do, and can make a leader. It can be a leader of these guys, and I thought some of those comments were just pretty interesting. You know, it's the same thing that, you know, we, we've heard before. I mean, that we've been hearing this message from that locker room since the end of 2021. And, again, no no surprises. And I'm just – I'm honestly surprised that as long as that's been going on because that didn't just start, you know, this year – or the year before that started in year one. And I saw, I look at how quickly Denver got Nathaniel Hack out of there when it didn't look good. I'm just wondering like, why did we have to wait so long in order, in order for us to make, take the plunge and, and just get them out of there. Now it kind of, it's kind of worked out. It's kind of all worked itself out, but it, it, it does make you hate how long we waited to get him out of there. When we had, when we felt like we had teams that could have been, could have won a few more games, could have had a little bit more going on. And just the fact that we kind of almost tanked our whole, our franchise morale in order to, b- before we decided to get this man to boot. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we thought that Rule was going to pull a Baylor or a Temple with us and take some time. Like what, that dumbass Jay-Z quote <laughs> that I hear all the time. That was the, oh my God, that made me so angry. But that, that sort of stuff, I think they thought it was going to take time. And then once they saw things just continuously going downhill, and we can feel that even as fans. And I think that, that when, you, when you can sense a team does not want to be out there, the entire organization kind of like implodes in on itself. And that's what we felt in the last, uh, that last Niners game. Everything fell apart. It just felt like we were dead. And now we have Steve Wilkes. And I honestly think if the guys are saying that they want Steve Wilkes, then get them Steve Wilkes. Because I want these people to be happy because they're playing like a real football team when we're happy and we're together. So I, I, I love it. If Derek Brown and the young guys want Steve Wilkes, keep Steve Wilkes. But uh, I wanted to, if we could, touch on how the hell are we going to get a quarterback or any kind of offense if we have Steve Wilkes at, at uh, the helm for defense? Because there's no way we're drafting a quarterback with Steve Wilkes as our, our new head coach. Do, do we think that, though, Consider, I mean, look, just off the reports that came out after his tenure in Arizona, he didn't decide on Josh Rosen. He wanted Josh Allen instead. Forced into Josh Rosen, then they kind of led to everything that happened from that from then on. I think that if depending on where we fall, if we were in the top ten, I, it'd be hard for me to take a quarterback there because I don't think Young or Stroud would be there by the time we got to our pick. So I, I think whoever would be best available, maybe where we would go, we drop into the teens, which it look it looks like we may drop if we win win again this week. Then one of the other guys that. One of the other guys like a Levis or a Richardson would would be there, and do you take those guys and and knowing that they they're gonna need some time before they're really viable as starters? It, it's really the fact that this quarterback class really isn't that deep. It's like who would like who would you really like? 
Like, who would you really want to hit your wagon to that's not the first two? Because those are the only two we've ever, we've ever really talked about coming into the season. And the reality is that we're not going to have a chance to get either one of those guys. Which I kind of like because I really don't want to let McAdoo pick a quarterback. I was thinking just give McAdoo a piece of paper, have him write a top three of his favorite quarterbacks, and then pick anyone else but those guys. So I, I just – whatever McAdoo chooses, I'm out. Jack. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm stop you from saying McAdoo one more time because if we have McAdoo on our staff by the time the draft rolls around, we're that's already that's the first problem. We're already screwed. He needs to be not in this office. By I, not that I understand what you're, uh, the mindset you're talking about, but that's where I'm like, look, mm-hmm. we cannot let this man still be on the team by the time we get to this point. If By the time April, May, whatever it comes around, rolls around, if he's still at the helm, because that's the biggest question, right? For me, it's not necessarily morally more about Wilkes because at you know Wilkes is not – this puppet master weird psychopath that rule was the decision obviously you have some input with, but it's not going to come down to him because he's a defensive minded head coach. It will play more on to Fitterer who I don't think is that going to be that quick to take a quarterback. The reason he did it with, with Corral is because we didn't know what the heck was going on with our quarterbacks coming into this or with the state of the franchise. We didn't know like cam was still technically on the roster, but not, and, and Dar- <laughs> you know, we had no idea what was going on. We just needed something to say, all right, guys, we are talking about quarterbacks. We're not going to take one as high up as we could. We needed the line. That was just, you know, we needed a guy, but honestly, I don't think he wanted to take someone like high up like Willis because he was probably pretty proactive to know whoever we're getting here probably won't have an impact going forward. Of course, he couldn't foresee Corral's ACL injury, and we don't know what the state of the team would look like had Corral still been playing. Hell, maybe they don't give Sam another chance and Corral comes in, and we don't know what goes on after that. But what I'm saying here is I think the bigger question is who is going to be offensive coordinator, right? And so especially if that's something to where if McAdoo's still on the team, I don't think Fitter is going to go, dude, you're not going to be here. Like this, It's, semant- it's semantics at this point because I don't think Wilkes wants McAdoo. So I don't, I don't think Fitterer would in his right mind as a GM seeing the things that are going on and seeing his own mistakes would go, I'm going to let you pick our quarterback or let you have a big impact. So even if he's still on the team, I don't think he's going to take that. If there's not an offensive coordinator on the team, I don't think he's going to want to, you know, pitch a quarterback to a wagon that isn't even there yet. So I think it's going to be the reality that people need to understand for the Panthers, especially as far as we've fallen is knowing that we're probably going to wait till next year and come out of this draft without a quarterback. I I so I want to get... come out without a quarterback though because I I do not like Stroud or Bryce Young like we were talking about earlier. Those were the two guys that we were focusing on. If we don't get those two guys, I'm not in on a quarterback. And and and, and I'm I'm a lot I can sleep better at night knowing rules not on the team because if Will Levis was on the board, rule, rule, <laughs> And Rule was already have his hand in the in his pocket. And, you know, Anthony Richardson, I, if we were in dire straits, which you could, like, at the beginning of the season, I would say we were, and we needed some sort of boost. If we were in those dire straits, I would say it's something you could do. It has the ceiling, I believe, of someone like Jalen Hurts. You could surround him with talent, give him a year or two, and then it would you would see the pieces start to fall as they may. I want to get your opinion, though, and, Shantice, we were talking about it last week, but his name is escaping me. But I know Brock has a bit more just proximity exposure to the guy out at UCLA. What's your thoughts on him? I can't remember. Caleb his Williams? Name. No, no, um, no. Dorian Thompson Robinson. DTR? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, DTR, he, he 
is a confusing guy because like he was at Bishop Gorman and never played a high school snap. And he, he was behind Tate Martell forever. And he really never got to start at Bishop Gorman. And then went to UCLA has not had a good team. And now he finally has a good team and he's showing up. He reminds me a lot of Jalen hurts. He's a, he's a running a guy that they plan to run, even though he's a smaller guy. Cause he's, he doesn't get hit. He's, he's smart. He has good vision. So I think that he could be a good runner in the uh, NFL. I just do not know about his decision-making. Like his arm is good. His accuracy is all right. He reminds me of Tua a lot throwing the ball Um, because he's really accurate. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's accurate. But his decision-making is the only thing that I'm really unsure about because he just didn't play football for four years in high school. And then – and then barely played like for two years at UCLA, so I don't, I don't know. Oh, so with him, so all right, so say if that's a guy like, that, like, like, say a guy like him is available, and you still have Matt Corral on the roster, would you just roll with Matt Corral at that point? If 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 you're left with a guy like DTR on the board, it depends how he's been this entire year. People think that he's like a. I mean, I know that Mackerel was super cool when he was down in, in, in this area for high school. I mean, he punched Wayne Gretzky's son in the face and got kicked out of high school. So, uh, he, I mean, he's got that dog in him. I kind of like Mackerel. So, I don't know. People, if people in the building like Mackerel, I'd say swing with him. But if not, if they're not really feeling it. Um, I would say go with DTR, an exciting guy like that. Well, I mean, I, let's let's say, for example, that we don't take a quarterback in the draft, right? Do you, are you rolling? Are you running it back with Sam Darnold again for another season? Because I just can't see you. I can't. I, I'm telling you right now. I'm not buying a ticket to a Sam Darnold led team. I, I did it twice the other year. Made a mistake both times, and I, I'm not. I just refuse to do it again. So I, I don't know if you can really sell fans on. Yeah, Sam Darnold's gonna be our quarterback for another 17 games. That's that's tough. That's a lot. Sounds like giving up to me. Yeah, it does. It it. It, to me, it, you get it where we and we've had his comparisons the entire time, and it's that you know we talked about it that middle of the road. There's only a certain amount of good he's going to be able to do, and he's only going to get you so far. You do that, you to me are saying, all right, we're going to go the route of like, you know, the the Tennessee Titans. They tried for so long, they kept going out of college. To Jake Locker, they had a Charlie. What was his? I don't remember what his other what his face. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Char- Whitehurst. I think it was Charlie Whitehurst that after. And then they had Mettenberger, God Almighty. And then they had Mariota. You know, they kept trying in the draft to get a guy. And finally, there was like, you know what? We just need a proven guy, uh, a, a game manager, someone to just get the ball out. They went with Tannehill. Tannehill's – and they made it, you know, number one AFC championship back-to-back. But that's only going to get you so far when he gets down to the, you know, to the nitty-gritty. Or you're going to get the same route as, like, the Vikings. You've got a guy that unless you have the best wide receiver in football at this point in time, he's not going to do you anything. And then you still might have to claw your way up to win games on Christmas Eve and and come back from a large deficit. That would, to me, if we stick with Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold, that is the play we're making. But then you're right, Chundis. I don't know what we do outside of that because the only other logical thought process I could have is you throw quite literally everything at a guy like, say, Lamar Jackson. But is it even worth it at that point to do so? We've seen the ups and downs of his career, of his year this last year. You know, this year removed, I'd say do it. No questions asked. And are those problems his or the organization as a whole? And are we ready to throw everything for Lamar Jackson and give up some of the stuff we've been working to build? Oof. 
That's tough. I got something on this. Go ahead. For us, I think that he is absolutely perfect. He, We are a young defense with people that are going to stick around if we have something to stick around for. We have short, fast receivers, a guy uh, that's a big target. All we would need to do is draft a tight end, get Lamar Jackson, and, may, and try to find a middle linebacker. And we have a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah. We have a, our our young defense is going to blossom into something huge. We like I we've seen it with every single player. We just need to put it together. We're so close on defense. I can feel it. But we just need a linebacker. If we have a Lamar Jackson type guy, a guy that can change the entire offense like we've needed to do, who cares about an offensive coordinator? Give it to Lamar. Let him do his thing. I don't care if he's a running back or what. If we have a guy like Lamar and a defense like this. That's why I think it's worth it. And I will say with a receiver duo like Marshall and DJ Moore, I think you can see Lamar make that transit make that transition to actually being the passing quarterback that I think I I think he can be. I just don't think you can do that with, you know, with Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. I just I think that you're probably limited on what you can do with Demarcus Robinson and 35-year-old, you know, Deshaun Jackson. I think that probably limits a lot of what you can do as a quarterback. DJ Moore would be the best receiver he's played with, bar none, like today if he comes to Carolina. And Terrence Marshall's a guy that that we're seeing make he we're seeing him take the leaps and make the leaps. Like he's coming along, and we're and we're seeing it with Sam Darnold. I can imagine what shout out Sam. I can imagine what it looks like when you get him a MVP level quarterback and what and and all the growth that you. I mean, think about it. this would be the best quarterback DJ Moore's played with as well. Like you, would, you would give everybody on that offense a legitimate chance to have their best seasons, and I, I mean, and like, and like you said, just go grab you a tight end, and there are some out there in the draft this year that that are going to be there around when where we, where we'll probably draft if we continue if we continue to win. That may be the answer. I mean, I gotta look at if I'm Lamar I'm looking at Carolina, saying like, dog, they got an offensive line already there. You got an immediate connection. The you have an immediate there. connection already built in with your center. Who, if we don't re-sign, I will drag Tepper and Fitterer out into the middle of Mint Street and break their ankles <laughs> with a bat because Bozeman has done everything yeah. to facilitate getting re-signed. So you have your immediate connection with your center already built in, and what would be probably the best backfield we have had if you re-sign Foreman, or I think, yeah. If you resign Foreman, yeah, if you, re- yeah, if you resign Foreman, Foreman, you'd have one of the best backfields we've had. In you could argue that backfield in on paper of against any of the backfields that we've touted from a quarterback, running back, and third down running back perspective. And the if Trooper keeps if Trooper keeps taking these leaps, he's taking because he's improved too, and that's who has another guy I need to give credit to because I was hard on him early. He's improved, and I like what he provides now with that track like speed. When he gets it, when he can get out to the edges, man, I I I love our possibilities there, and even Blackshear as well. When they've given him touches, he's he's been he's been very useful in the touches that he's got. If you would have told me at the beginning of this year that to try to vie for a playoff spot, Sam Darnold would pitch it to to Blackshear for a touchdown against <laughs> the Lions, and that was going to be a good play. I. I would look at you like you were a psychopath. I think they listen to our podcast. We we've been talking about this backup by committee and all these different things all year. They've been happening. So nah, someone, someone in the building is listening to. Hey, I do. I will say I do know for a fact there is one guy that is that is listening to our podcast. 
He liked one of the videos. I don't. I, I don't. Should I say his name? Nah, no, we got. I, I, I'm, 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 I, I won't say his name just for you know, just, just, just because I don't. You know, if you get released, it's not my fault, my boy. So you know. <laughs> but I mean that y'all they, they they are listening though. I I I I do know for a fact they are they are they do hear us. For sure. It's just crazy to think about it of itself. So <laughs> and the last thing I will say to that point that is please for the love of God, Wilkes needs to stay in the building. We keep talking about it. We talked about it at the beginning. We know the question and we won't, you know, keep harping on it because there's nothing we could talk about it with it other than the fact that it's gonna be a concern. He should not be defensive coordinator. He needs to be the head coach, but I do get scared about the prospect of coordinators that would be out there for him to, to, to build around. I get, I get kind of scared about who he would have to pick from. And that is, that is one concern that I do have. I, I think the hire he would have to make in order to ensure a guy maybe would be there for two to three years. We have would probably be a little off kilter than what we're probably would like, because I'm saying right now, I think he, if if this guy has a couple of things working in his favor, if this guy, if this kid is under the age of forty, and he is white, it's more than likely he's getting a head coaching job in the next yep. season. Hey, to tell you, you know, yep. <laughs> so you may so the NFL's on the fringes. So the NFL's on the fringes. So a guy like Debeko Ryan's or Pep are probably going to be touted for head coaching positions, just so that the NFL can can stave off the you know. Oh yeah, man. They have, line for yeah, man. We got more years. I I will. Hey, look, if if we weren't gonna go with Steve Wilson and we still wanted to go defensive head coach D'Amico Ryan's for yeah, that, that'd be no question. And if you're the Broncos and you and you don't have D'Amico Ryan on your on your on your speed dial, you are doing something wrong. They should not let that man lead the West Coast. And it, it, there's no way they should let that man lead the West Coast. If you were D'Amico Ryan's, you you're solid defensive coordinator with a guy who can obviously take a team to a Super Bowl. Do you stay? and try to build something awesome, or do you leave? Would you rather be a Super Bowl-winning uh, defensive coordinator or the biggest question. A, or an NFL head coach? I mean, because wherever he goes, he's not going anywhere that's going to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. You know, I always think about that, and I always wonder how the guys in that position feel about it, because I know for me, like, I don't know if me being the head coach is always is, like, the biggest dream for me, but, it, like, me being a like, – but me doing what I do well and helping us win championships, I think I care about that just as much more, if just as much if not more than being a head coach. I would have to look, I have to look at the prospects, prospects of just staying with Shanahan and saying, look, you got the offense. You he's been the offensive guru. If I handle, if I do my job, then there's really nobody that can really beat us as a coaching duo. We knew who Josh McDaniels was. Like we appreciated Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia forever as the coordinators of the Patriots, which is what I think the Niners could be if they get uh, if they get something going and keep it. But we don't remember. We're not going to remember Saleh and those guys who are just leaving. So I think that if the Niners build a dynasty like that, uh, D'Amico Ryans could be the guy to, to do it. Yeah. It, it, it is. A, it always been concerned. You know, you have it because then you have it, you know, with um... – yeah, but like Ken Dorsey, like, is he going to, you know, was, is, does he want to leave the bills or does he want to kind of keep, you know, go somewhere else to see these other teams that you have there. But then you've got guys that do make that splash do make that wave and, and show that even if they haven't gotten to a Super Bowl, they bring organizations around, you know, and they, and they turn organizations around. So I think it, it's all about your kind of personal philosophy, but that's, that's my bigger concern going into Wilkes because that's, 
like Wilkes, I think will have the the time frame. I think he'll have the ability to take his time. He's just going to have that big hole of he might get shot in the foot by whoever he you know puts at coordinator position at those coordinator positions because that's going to be an interesting conversation to have not only with Fitterer but with Tepper as well and to see how that all goes down. But of course, we can't do anything about that until it happens. So in the meantime, might as well keep pounding.